116, and uh, <clears throat> and we're going to focus down more toward the uh, the the latter part of that psalm. We'll touch on the beginning of it a little bit, um, but we're going to touch on uh, we're going to start here in uh, in the ninth verse. Actually, we're going to start in the eighth verse. For thou hast delivered my soul from death, mine eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed, therefore have I spoken. I was greatly afflicted. I said in my haste, all men are liars. And what shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? And I'd like to take for a topic this morning, for just a little while, if I could, um, the benefits of affliction. The benefits of affliction. Uh, we, uh, we, we know from the studying of history and studying scripture, in times of prosperity, that's when we become largely apathetic in our attitude towards God, don't we? You know, there's, it's not found in scripture whenever you study about the children of Israel when they had, when they had veered away from God. You won't find it written anywhere in there that they began to hate God. As a matter of fact, they usually, when they would be asked about the Lord God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they would still maintain the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But as we look at the state that Israel was in before they were carried into captivity, before Nebuchadnezzar came and burned the city and took, uh, and took the, uh, the, 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 the Israelites uh, of Judah into uh, Babylon and into captivity, they um, they were largely in a in a position of apathy as it pertained to their relationship with God. They had left off from doing the things that God had uh, called them to do. Uh, they had stopped observing the land Sabbath, and that's why it was seventy years that they spent in captivity because God was reclaiming the land Sabbath, wasn't it? And so you won't find it where it's written that they hated them. Um, now you can find in uh, once Israel had broken away, uh, where they had told the prophets of the Lord not to prophesy, but <clears throat> but to say that they said they hated them, it's not recorded in anywhere in Scripture. But what was it that always brought them back? What was it that got them out of their state of apathy? Was affliction, wasn't it? Every time. And so we look here, and we're reading here in the 116th version division of the Psalms, and I've got a little. Um, sinus issue going on today, and so just ignore that. Uh, there's no uh, cold or anything. It's just it's it's fall. It's the time of the year that they always kick up. They have my whole life, and so it's just uh, just a normal thing. And uh, or we're getting into fall, but um, but we look here and we see that the first thing that the psalmist does in the eighth verse of the scriptures is he. Uh, he, he notes the, that it was the Lord that had delivered his soul. And now, if you want to look at this and you want to say, well, what state was he in before the Lord delivered his soul? Uh, it's, it's, one of the, it's one of the great verses of Scripture, in my opinion. Uh, in the third verse, the psalmist tells us the state that he was in when the Lord found him. He says, the sorrows of death had compassed me, the pains of hell got hold of me, and I found trouble and sorrow. 
And this is a great problem with a lot of mainstream Christianity today because they actually do not believe that you have to get under conviction for sin in order to be saved. They believe it's decisional. Uh, that it's just a decision that you make, uh, and uh, it's a one-time decision, and uh, and that one time is good enough to get you into heaven. Uh, but that's not what you the decision that has to be made. The decision that is made uh, is the the decision that comes along with the knowledge that you're lost, and then having that that knowledge, uh, you make a decision based on that knowledge whether or not you're going to seek the Lord for the salvation of your soul. And, and that's, the, that's the proper context that we see it in here. Uh, because what does he say? He says, the sorrows of death come past me, the pains of hell get hold of me, uh, or hold upon me, and I found trouble and sorrow. And then what does he say a little later? Uh, he says, uh, he says this. Uh, he says that he was brought low, and, and that he was, and that it was uh, from the uh, that his soul was delivered from death, uh, and mine eyes from tears, and my feet from uh, and my feet from failing. Uh, and uh, and so we see this low estate that we're brought down into uh, when we when the, when we have the knowledge of uh, being an enemy of God when we have a knowledge of knowing that our sins have offended the Most High God and that it, we we take that knowledge and we make this decision to seek the Lord for the salvation of our soul and so here in the fourth verse it says and then I called upon the name of the Lord. Now here he's calling upon the name of the Lord for God to save him. Uh, and, and there are times in the Bible where God saves them temporally. Uh, that means bodily. And then there's times where it's talking about a spiritual and everlasting salvation. And so that's the salvation that you need in this life. There'll be different things that happen throughout the course of your life where you'll need to call on the Lord for Him to deliver you from that. And God uh, sees you. And, and being His child, you're very precious in His sight. And he will do that. But you have to add, you have to seek the Lord for salvation. He says, then, then, uh, then called I upon the name of the Lord. Oh Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul. Now that word deliver there can also be translated as save my soul. Uh, and so it's salvation that the psalmist is desirous of uh, from God. And that's where you that's the only place you get it, because salvation is a work of the heart. It is not a work of a carnal mind. The carnal mind is enmity against God. That's what the Bible teaches us. And, and so here we find this estate that he's in. And then in his eighth verse, he, he credits God for the deliverance of his soul. And then he says that uh, being delivered in soul, you have dealt bountiful, bountifully with me. And why is that? Because now uh, having uh, this surety, this assurance uh, of being a child of God, because that's what, that's what we have when we get saved, isn't it? We, we know we're a child of God. We know we've passed from death unto life. We have that knowledge. Uh, of of God and of that instance where we had a, uh, an occasion with God where he uh, created us a new creature in Christ Jesus where we were born again uh, and that's necessary uh, 
Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, Nicodemus came to the Lord under the cover of darkness of night because he didn't want the other Pharisees to see him approach Jesus and ask him the things that were, were troubling him because he was trying to reconcile these allegations that were brought against Christ versus the works that Christ was doing. And he made the acknowledgement that Christ was sent from heaven. Uh, and uh, we go over... And we look at this for just a second in the third chapter of the Gospel of John. Uh, and, uh, and Nicodemus comes to him and he says, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. But at the same time, they were advocating that he was a blasphemer. Uh, and so uh, Jesus uh, he, he sees him come to him. He makes this statement to him. And Jesus doesn't address what he says. Instead, he gets right straight to the heart of the the matter and he says this he says verily verily I say unto thee except a man be born again he cannot see the kingdom of God and so that that new birth experience uh, is necessary if we're going to experience the bodily salvation of God at the judgment aren't we you have to know God before you see him faith ends in sight it doesn't begin in sight Faith is the is uh, if we go over it to the Hebrew to the eleventh chapter of the book of Hebrews in the uh, sixth verse. Faith is the substance. Uh, faith. Uh, blah, 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 first verse. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Uh, we don't hope or long for the things that we see. Uh, we can work and attain those things. And so here the psalmist is writing, and he says that you have. Uh, you have not only delivered me from uh, my soul from death and my eyes from tears and my feet from failing, but you have dealt bountifully with me. And then he makes the statement in the ninth verse, and he says, and I'll walk before the Lord. And I'll walk before the Lord in the land of the living. Now that's a reference to when we walk before God in heaven. And we will walk before God in heaven one day. Brother Glasscock is walking with the Lord in heaven now. All of us have a appointed time of death, don't we? It's natural. It happens. In the 23rd Psalm, David wrote, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Now that, that could be referencing uh, the moments right before you die when death is ever present and you can feel the presence of death. And it could just be life in this world because the life in this world is walking through the valley of the shadow of death because death lurks around every corner, doesn't it? Does it know, does not know, uh, and pays no respect of persons? It visits everybody. And so what about that? How do we walk before the Lord? We will walk before the Lord in the land of the living in heaven. But what about now? What about now? Uh, I want to go over here for just a second into uh, 2 Corinthians. And I'm, I'm not going to tarry your patience too long today. But because uh, the, the, the psalmist goes on. And, uh, and after he says that I'll walk before the Lord in the land of the living, he says, I believed and therefore have I spoken. And he says this, he says, I was greatly afflicted. And there's a misnomer as it pertains to Christianity in a lot of ways today. 
And a lot of times the way that it's expressed is that if you get saved, all the troubles of your life will be washed away, that they will be whisked away and they won't exist anymore. But the, there's, the truth is that it couldn't be further from that. The life in this world, as Job, as it's recorded in Job, man born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. And so it's something that we know our whole life. Uh, and so this idea that when we get saved, that all of life's troubles are taken care of, that's just not the case. And as a matter of fact, that doesn't even glorify God, does it? What glorifies God is when we walk before God. And, and we're going to touch on that walk, walking before God. But when we walk before God, in affliction, in affliction, and the world sees the children of God not buckling to the affliction that's before them. And we're going to go to 2 Corinthians in just a minute, but I want to go ahead and use a verse over in the book of Exodus, in Exodus chapter 1 and verse 12. And listen to this. But the more they afflicted them, that is the Israelites when they were down in Egypt, the more the Egyptians afflicted them, and of course this is Pharaoh that did not know Joseph, the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. The more affliction that they experienced, the greater, the taller they stood, didn't they? They became greater in number. They became greater in strength. They became greater in power. And to that end, we go over and we uh, and we touch on uh, these blessings that come in affliction that Paul touches on in 2 Corinthians. And we're going to start here in the 13th verse because this 13th verse is analogous to the first ver or to the, the to the verse that we talked about here uh, where uh, uh, where it's written. Uh, <clears throat> Uh, in the uh, uh, in the tenth verse of the hundred sixteenth psalm, he says, "For uh, we, having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, uh, I believed, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise us up also by Jesus, and shall present us with you." For all things are for your sake, that abundant the, that the abundant grace might, through the thanksgiving of many, redound. And that means superabound. That doesn't mean that they'll abound a little bit. That means that the grace of God will superabound all the afflictions that we'll face in this life. And it will redound to the glory of God. God's glorified in the affliction that his people face and how they face it. Think about this. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were given the decree to worship Nebuchadnezzar or be cast in the fiery furnace, they said, we're not careful to answer you. We will only worship God, and I'm paraphrasing them. And they were bound hand and foot and they were cast into the furnace and they looked into the furnace and what did they see? They said, we don't, we see four men walking around, for, you know, and the fourth is like the son of God. And so God is glorified in that affliction, especially when that affliction points to him. 
and uh, and that's what uh, and that's what the psalmist is saying here. He says, "What shall I render unto the Lord for all of His benefits toward me, for the grace and for the mercy and for the loving kindness of the Lord, and for every and for salvation and for everything that God's done for us in the freely offering of Jesus on the cross at Calvary that He the that he would become sin who knew no sin, that those of us which uh, had believed not then might be called the children or, or the sons of God. And, uh, and so here he says this, he says, What will I render? What can I do to the Lord or do for the Lord? Well, what can you do for God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills? What can you do for God who owns all things, who spoke into existence the heavens and the earth? What can you render to him? There's nothing that he needs from us, is he? Or is it? God doesn't need anything from us. But even after we're saved, we still need him, don't we? But what does God desire? Remember, I said the children of Israel, whenever they went away from God, they never said we hate God. They just stopped worshiping God, didn't they? In that, I could make a case that the country that we live in today is in a much worse state because a lot of the, the, the country that we live in today, they actually say they hate God <laughs> or they don't even acknowledge his existence. They just stopped worshiping God as God. They grew apathetic in their worship. Listen to what he says. For all the benefits, what will I do? For the benefits that uh, that you have, uh, that are toward me. Two of these verses are exactly the same and I'm going to use them one time. In the 13th and the 18th verse, it says this, I will pay my vows unto the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord. Now, in the presence of all His people. Well, if you make a if you make a promise, if you make a vow, keep it. If you stand before God and you and you take a vow that you are going to love someone for the rest of your life. Keep the vow. Otherwise, don't make it. The Bible tells us it's better not to vow, not to avow the vow than it is to, to make a vow and not keep it. Keep the vow. It's very simple. Before that, he says this. He says, I'll take the cup of salvation. Well, what is he talking about here? The cup of salvations, really, uh, temporal salvation when God's done for us, uh, done something for us bodily, uh, eternal and uh, spiritual salvation. Uh, when he saves our soul, take the cup of salvation. Just the way uh, that we read over in the 26th chapter of the book of Matthew. Uh, and I'm going to turn over there. Matthew chapter 26, uh, as soon as I, as soon as I get over there, chapter 26 and verse 37. Uh, Matthew 26 and 37. And what does it say? 
this is not this is not taking the cup, drinking from the cup of wrath. This is not drinking from that cup. This is drinking from the cup of salvation, like at the end of a feast, just like Jesus after they had observed the Passover. It says, and he took the cup. And he gave thanks. And he gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin, is there? You see, your sins are required. Uh, they require an atonement to be made. Uh, and Jesus Christ is the one who's paid the price on Calvary's cross and he paid the price of atonement for your sins. And he says, I'll take the cup of salvation. And look, he says again here, he says, and I'll call upon the name of the Lord. Now this is not the same way that he called upon the name of the Lord in verse 3 or verse 4. Uh, when he was in trouble and sorrow. But this is after he has been saved. He says, and then I will call upon the name of the Lord. I will praise God for the salvation that he has bestowed upon us. Uh, here this morning, do you really appreciate the salvation which God has granted to you? Do you have a great, uh, do you look at it as a benefit of God? The peace of mind that comes with it. The ability to endure all things. Everybody wants to take that verse of scripture. And they want to use it for in a way that is not meant to be used. Over in Philippians. But you can endure all things. God means that you can endure all affliction. Just as the children of Israel did when they were in Egypt in bondage and captivity. In the seventeenth verse, he says, "I'll offer to thee the thanks that I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving." And again, he says, "And I will call upon the name of the Lord." You see a you see a you see a constant pattern here, don't you? The Book of Americans one one says, "The Lord helps those who help themselves," but the Bible says, "God helps those that call upon Him for help." If you find yourself in trouble all the time. God has made a way whereby you can you can you can know that's this is one of the benefits that we have of God isn't it that we have access to God through Jesus Christ And now I want to I want to finish up with this And that we can call upon the Lord with our voice can't we We can call upon him and we can we can use words. The Jews still did that in the day that Christ lived. And Christ said, Ye are truly they whose, heart, whose, whose lips are near unto me, but whose heart is far from me. And I, I, I probably butchered that, uh, butchered that to this morning, but that's the verse of Scripture that he was quoting there. Uh, their lips were near unto him. They said those things with their lips, but with their heart, their, their actions proved they were far from him. And that's why I want to get back to this ninth verse. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. The, the prophet Amos in the third chapter of the book of Amos, and in the third verse, uh, this is 
this is one of my favorite verses of Scripture throughout the whole Bible because it so broadly applies not only to our relationship with God, but it applies to our relationship with our spouse. It applies to our relationship with, at work. It applies to uh, any relationship that we will have in the world. And the verse is simply this, can two walk together except they be agreed? No, they can't, can they? If they're in disagreement, they won't walk together. Adam and Adam and God were in agreement before Adam willfully ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and then they were in dis- then they were disagreed, weren't they? But God still provided a covering for Adam before He sent him out of the garden. Jesus, the blood of Jesus is your covering. What about Enoch? And I want to touch on Enoch as it pertains to this. And we read about Enoch, and there's not very much that we know about Enoch, but we know this in the fifth chapter of the book of Genesis, uh, in the 22nd verse, it says that Enoch walked with God after that he had begat Methuselah 300 years, and he begat sons and daughters. Enoch walked with God. What does that mean, to walk with God? In the 23rd verse, it says, In all the days of Enoch were 360 and 5 years. That was a short lifespan for how long they lived back then. Because Methuselah lived 969 years. And Enoch, in the 24th verse, it's reiterated, and it says, And Enoch walked with God. And then it says, And he was not. He was not what? He was not found anywhere. His body was not found. He didn't. It was not found where he died. He was not. He was gone. And it says, for God took him. Enoch was translated directly to heaven. He's one of two people that experienced that. Elijah was the other one. Enoch was translated to heaven. What does it mean, though, when it says that Enoch walked with God? We have to go to the book of Hebrews really to understand what it means to walk with God. And this is the and this is the thing that you have to remember in your affliction. Your walk with God doesn't end when you are in, when you're experiencing affliction. If anything, when you're in a period of affliction, that's when your walk with God increases. Because you rely on Him more than you do in times of prosperity. In times of prosperity, we grow apathetic, don't we? And our heart, and our heart departs from Him. But it's the affliction that comes upon us that God's shaking us and He's saying, you've got to get back in line with me. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. Before his translation, he had this testimony. And this is what it means to walk with God. It means he pleased God. Do you please God with your life? 
That's what the psalmist is saying in the 116th division of the psalm. If God has saved your soul, please God with your life. Glorify God with your life. Let your light so shine among men that they may see your good works and do what? Worship your Father which is in heaven. You know what the key point of worship is? Is to glorify God. Here this morning we've gathered together. Let us glorify God. We've got one come to pray. Let's, call, let's all come together and let's pray uh, with her and, and let's glorify God in our worship today. Brother Williams, if you've got a verse or two of a song, we'll do that.